Hi, this is Mark Rabin. Before the episode, let me quickly tell you about my new book. It's titled Measures of Success. It's a book that will help you react less to your performance metrics, every up and down in those. It'll help you lead better. It'll help you improve more. So you can learn more about the book by going to www.measuresofsuccessbook.com or you can search Amazon. It's available as a print book, a Kindle book. It's available through Apple Books. I hope you'll check it out. Hi, this is Mark Raven. If you like this podcast, you might realize I have a blog, leanblog.org. Did you also know that I have another podcast called Lean Blog Audio? And there I basically, occasionally, or as often as I can, I read audiobook style versions of blog posts. So you can go to leanblog.org slash audio or search in your favorite podcast place for Lean Blog Audio. I hope that'll give you something else uh, that's food for thought, something else to help you in your lean journey. Welcome to the Lean Blog Podcast. Visit our website at www.leanblog.org. Now, here's your host, Mark Graben. Hi, this is Mark Graben. Welcome to episode 257 of the podcast. It is July 26, 2016. My guest for uh, the episode is somebody I've known for a while in the lean healthcare community. She is Tanya Lyon. She's the director of organizational performance improvement at St. Clair Hospital in Pittsburgh. Now, she has an interesting background, as she'll talk about. She has a PhD in sociology, just uh, actually like Jeff Liker, uh, professor at University of Michigan, author of the Toyota Way book series. And she initially got involved with Lean through the Pittsburgh Regional Health Initiative, which is a common connection to a couple of my previous podcast guests, Paul O'Neill and Nada Grunden. So if you want to hear their episodes, go to leanpodcast.org. St. Clair Hospital is a customer of the software company Kinexus, and Tanya has played a major role in their rollout of our software to help support their ongoing spread of continuous improvement. Regular readers of my blog and listeners of this podcast will know my part-time role with Kinexus over the past five years as the VP of Improvement and Innovation Services. Now, we initially recorded this to be a podcast in the Kinexus podcast series and to do some different blog posts targeted for our customers. But after we recorded this, I, I thought it was a conversation that would be of interest to a wider audience as we're really mainly talking about lean and improvement strategies here with a little bit of Kinexus talk thrown in. So if you'd like to learn more about her background, um, learn more about Kinexus, see uh, a great YouTube video that Tanya produced about a two-bin Kanban system for St. Clair Hospital. You can find all of that by going to leanblog.org slash 257. Tanya, thanks so much for joining us here today. Thank you for having me. Can you start off by telling us about your background and your role at St. Clair Hospital? Sure. Um, I do have a somewhat unusual background from many of the people I meet, which I think is probably a, a testament to how young the field of lean healthcare is and that many of us have stumbled into it from various different paths. So I'm a recovering academic. I have a PhD in sociology. I've always been interested in how people and organizations fit together. Um, so that's probably the foundation that got me into this. But it was complete chance. Um, I was working on my dissertation in a new city and uh, was looking for a part-time job while I did that. And a friend set me up with an interview. 
Um, and I fell into this organization, a nonprofit called the Pittsburgh Regional Health Initiative, which at the time was pioneering efforts to translate the Toyota production system from manufacturing settings into a variety of healthcare settings. And at the time, I had, I had never touched healthcare. I had never touched anything like the Toyota production system, industrial engineering, or anything like that. So I learned both of those fields simultaneously mm. during my five years with this nonprofit. And then I was recruited by a local hospital uh, to basically create a new position. I was their new director of organizational performance improvement. Um, because they decided that they wanted to adopt lean and embark on a lean journey. And so I was the person that they brought on board to begin that endeavor. And that was eight years ago. Eight years ago. And so PARHI, you're right. I mean, you know, early, early innovators uh, in, in bringing lean into healthcare. So it was probably about 13 years ago, 2003 or so. Yep, that's about right. How so St. Clair, um, was just starting at that at that time when they recruited you in um, about lean, a culture of continuous improvement. I, I assume those go hand in hand. If you can tell, you know some of the, uh, the the history of maybe how the organization even got to the point of bringing you in. Sure. Yeah, we have an unusual. We're, we're a large suburban hospital, three hundred and twenty-nine beds, and uh, we have an unusual history in that we just turned sixty years old, but we've only had three CEOs in our entire history. Hmm. And it was our, our newest CEO who uh, was brought on board 10 years ago and who came from another hospital in the city of Pittsburgh that had been um, kind of a testing ground for some of the work that PRHI had been doing. And so the CEO, Jim Collins, had had exposure to the Toyota production system, had seen it successfully tested in some parts of the hospital where he had worked at previously. And so when he came on board at St. Clair Hospital, he started sending his vice presidents, his, his senior team and pairs off to get some training in the Toyota production to kind of lay the groundwork. And it was actually, that was a successful way to go about it because it was one of his vice presidents who came back from the training and said, okay, this is it. We need this. Mm. We've got to have this culture and we have to do it right. We can't just, you know, send a bunch of managers off to a training and hope that it's going to happen in our hospital. We need somebody to drive it from the inside. And so that's where I came in. The timing was also important because one of our weakest points uh, at that stage was our emergency department. It was not doing well, and there was a, a, a definite organizational goal to turn that around and a recognition that it wouldn't be enough to expand our space. We were already overcrowded, but it wouldn't be enough to build more space. We needed to address the throughput issues and the process issues of how we moved patients through the ED. And so I was, I was brought in and handed this perfect project to start with, you know, low-hanging fruit, a really uh, big need with a lot of senior management support. How do we turn around our emergency department? So that was where I started. That was our first big project. And it was so successful that it was a phenomenal um, sort of our miracle that really got everyone's attention in the hospital and made them realize, oh, this does work. If, if it can turn around our most broken part of the hospital, then surely it can work in other areas as well. Yes. Yeah, so, I mean, how would you summarize some of the results from, from that project, that important work of improving the emergency department? Um, well, we went from a 
for example, door to room, one metric, where from walking in our front door to getting into a treatment room, uh, when I began the work there, our numbers were all over the map. We were high variability. The wait times were very unpredictable, hovering around an hour. Uh, we did one major Kaizen around just that little piece of the intake process, and this was before we expanded into any more space, and we were able to stabilize it and get it down to about 10-minute wait time and mm. keep it there steadily, and then we got it down even further once we expanded the space. But perhaps more dramatically was our improvement in overall patient satisfaction. We started out in the 14th percentile nationally and the first percentile locally, so we were quite literally the worst ED in Western Pennsylvania mm. at the time. And within 18 months, we had gone to the 99th percentile, and we held it that for five or six years. So it wasn't just the you know phenomenal turnaround, but it was also that once we turned it around, we had a consistent, sustainable system that kept us there at the top. So you mentioned uh, originally the goal was not just to, to add more space, but to improve uh, workflows, but then you did end up adding space. I'm curious if you can talk through some of the sequence there. Of, you know, did you hit a, a certain limit to improvement that then required, um, was it additional space? Was it rethinking some of the existing space in different ways? I would say that there were there was probably three major facets, maybe four major prongs of this approach. And it's hard to tease them apart because they were kind of being worked on simultaneously. So one was space, and that took a while to, you know, we had to rebuild or build a new half of an ED and renovate the old. So one was, was sheer space and renovating the facility. Um, the other was data, to be honest, which really came down to technology. We just didn't know mm. in real time how long our patients had been staying there. We didn't know how long it was taking them from, you know, through each phase of their care. We had to get some technology in there that would make that process transparent to us. Um, so I think that was a really important foundation for our, any process improvement work. We needed to have some transparency. So putting in some technology that gave us real-time status boards was a really important first step. Then we worked on the actual process design, taking those apart, redesigning them, making sure that we had the right people in the room so they were being designed by the people that did the work. And then maybe the fourth prong would have been training the people, giving mm -hmm. them tools and and encouragement to keep the improvements going. So it wasn't just a static uh, transformation. Yeah. So then over time, you know, you were hired in in this new director role um, to start with lean to build capabilities. Um, have, have you formed a team of, of lean specialists or facilitators um, who, who report to you like a lot of organizations have done? Right. That's an interesting um, interesting story, and I've, I've studied a lot of other uh, hospitals trying to understand their models because ours is a very um, slim one. So when I was first hired, I was actually part-time. So for the first year, the only person working full-time on continuous improvement and lean was a 0.6 FTE. The second year, I went to 0.8. Um, and then four years in, uh, we were able to hire a second person, also part-time, and that was through grant money. We actually had a donor who made a contribution and specifically earmarked it for improvement rather than, you know, bricks and mortar, which mm -hmm. is often what people do. And so we're now up to our department is 1.4 FTEs. There's two of us, and we have 2,400 employees. 
And so most of the other models that I've seen have many more people mm -hmm. devoted time to this sort of thing. And, you know, there's, I, I have my dream department, of course. I could easily, <laughs> you know, put a whole team to work. But there's also been, I think, some advantages. I think this has been a deliberate philosophical choice by mm -hmm. our senior team to avoid the trap of becoming the problem-solving department. Right. There is no possible way that the two of us can really you know, solve all the problems in the hospital. We have to be extremely strategic about where we put our coaching time and our, uh, our Kaizen time and so forth. Um, and so it's really forced us to push training down into our leadership team because we have to have that culture of continuous improvement coming from our management team. It can't come from us. There's just not enough mm -hmm. of us. Yeah. So it's a tension. It's definitely a tension. I, I think there are pros and cons to mm -hmm. both approaches, but it's, it, it does have some advantages. Yeah. I mean, you raise a, a really good point. You're right. I think, you know, even organizations I've seen that have uh, – 20 or 25 full-time people, they're also trying to avoid that trap of you know, not, not becoming the ones who solve the problems or do the thinking for people, but you know, making sure that they're the ones who, who facilitate and help teach and train and develop others. And um, so it's good to hear you talking about pushing that training. Uh, and it sounds like you're relying heavily on, on the actual managers, um, not just to improve, uh, would you say you're also working with them to, to change the management system? Can you talk about that a little bit? Yes, although I think we still have a long way to go there. I mm -hmm. think that's probably the next big breakthrough that will take us to the next level is to do a better job of achieving some standard leader work, mm -hmm. you know, kind of a, a management operating system, if you will, which a lot of you know, the literature that's been coming out of state of care and some other places has really focused on the importance of that. What are managers doing differently mm -hmm. in a lean environment that fosters that improvement? So we still have a ways to go, but we have made huge strides, um, mainly through training and the, what coaching we're able to do with our leadership team. We've had to focus on the leadership team. Let's talk about your use of Kinexus there at, at St. Clair. Um, it's been a really successful story as, as, as we've watched your uh, development as, as a customer, but more importantly, you know, we're always rooting for our customers, you know, to, uh, you know, to create that culture of continuous improvement. Can you kind of tell the story about even making that decision to become a Kinexus customer? What, what was appealing to you? What was the uh, the impetus to actually uh, to get started working with us? Sure. Um, we began about six years ago, we began to put up idea boards, uh, which was basically a paper system designed to democratize our improvement process culture, improvement culture by making it possible for anyone at any time to submit ideas. So mm -hmm. this was something we we picked up from somewhere. They were large laminated boards with pre-printed post-it notes that we kind of developed on our own. And we eventually spread them all over the system. We have uh, over we had over 100 of these boards everywhere. And that was kind of how we taught. Um, it, was, it was basically our mechanism to drive the culture. I think we had three pillars to my department, which was training, um, operations, which is when we would actually go in and support teams on specific projects that were strategic to the organization. And then culture was the third pillar. And really what that, you know, for a while, I, it was 
feeling our way until it kind of crystallized around these idea boards. We found that once those boards were up, we had a focal point around which we could talk to managers, you know, how is it going with your boards, what kinds of ideas are you getting, are you getting any ideas, how are you responding to those ideas. That was the beginning of really getting to every single manager and getting them to think about how they interact with their staff a little bit differently. And at the same time, in our intro class, we have a half-day intro to lean course that we require every single employee to attend. And so every single employee has come through this course and then there's a major section in there focusing on this is the purpose of these boards. It's, it's dual. There's half of the purpose is to actually improve your work, and the other half is to develop your people as mm. problem solvers. And so that kind of – those boards really gave us a concrete platform and sort of a behavioral mechanism to really talk about the culture and drive the culture. And very early on, not, not long after we had these boards up, we, we found Kinexus. We stumbled onto you, and – Again, having some conversations and kind of keeping an eye on it. And early in our process, I was very reluctant to take things off the walls and hide them, which is what I was thinking. It was they would be hidden in the computer. I, I wanted it to be out where people could see it and think about it. Um, I was worried that it out of sight, out of mind. Mm -hmm. And I also felt like we weren't we weren't, hadn't really solidified our culture yet. I felt like we needed a stronger culture of participation before we would really reap the benefits of something like Kinexus. And so it wasn't until last year that we realized, um, you know, Kinexus has evolved and has become a much stronger product, and our culture has evolved. And we now have a stronger culture of participation in this. Um, we think that we can migrate over. We had also reached the point where we had realized that we couldn't get the information we needed from those boards. Our managers were spread so thin that the thought of asking them to do one more report, like yeah. to document you know, all, the, all their post-it notes and what they were doing with them and roll it up to us, which we really wanted. We needed to see that to understand how well is our culture doing. We didn't have any metrics to measure our improvement culture and, ironically, the improvement of our improvement culture. And so I think we reached a, a point of maturity in, in that around that mechanism where we realized we, we are, there's good things happening all over our hospital and we don't know it. We don't mm. know where they're happening. We don't know what their impact is. We became really hungry for some transparency that we just couldn't get with our paper boards. That's when it made sense to bring Kinexus into the system. So, I mean, what, what did you learn, I guess, to sort of alleviate the concern that you had about things being hidden? You know, I think there's there's pros and cons. Software provides a level of visibility and transparency that a physical board can't. Um, I, how did you work through that, or what have you seen in terms of some of those pros and cons, and and uh, you know the the Kinexus visibility uh, proving to be helpful? Sure. It does, I think, pro, our, our approach is a little bit different depending on the kind of department that we're rolling it out to. So I, I should say that at, at the time of this interview right now, we are just past the 50% point of rolling out Kinexus. So we've been kind of set up, setting up a schedule and going department by department. And the departments that have a large number of employees who never go near a computer in the course of their daily work, mm. we're holding off a little bit on them so that we can do a really good job of 
making sure that that's accessible to them, that they understand where to go when they have an idea. We've also left open, the door's still open to have a hybrid system. I have, I have no problem leaving the post-it boards up in some of those departments where computers are just not part of the daily work, mm -hmm. and having the managers take a post-it note and enter it into Kinexus on behalf of the employee. I mean, Kinexus is set up for that very easily. Mm -hmm. So I'm not afraid of maybe having that hybrid system, but I think our employees are, for the most part, we have more and more systems that they they just have to use the computer for. I yeah. think there's there's a higher level of computer literacy that's come with the years, and a lot of it just has to do with communication and are we bringing up Kinexus on a regular basis? Is it part of, you know, huddles? Is it part of staff meetings? Is it part of the, the management conversation that managers are having with their staff? It's just a question of communication, I think. Yeah, I, I would think, you know, communication and leadership. And I, I, I've always seen, you know, it, it seems like it's just sort of a function of effort in terms of creating a culture of continuous improvement. I, I think every organization, every team and their team members. Um, I think most every manager is capable of doing the things that are required to engage people in improvement. But I, I found a lot of times people just, they, they, they come up with excuses to not make the effort. I think there's, there's real barriers. There's, um, I think sometimes perceived barriers where people don't feel confident that they mm -hmm. can do this. Um, I'm, I'm curious what some of your thoughts are there about, you know, bringing people along, getting, getting leaders to participate, whether it was with the boards or the Kinexus software or that combination? Sure. We were um, very judicious in, uh, I think there may be two answers to this. First, we were careful about the first department that we tried it with. You know, our pilot mm. department was one that already had a really good culture of continuous improvement with a lot of participation from their staff, which we knew because they have a they had a very active post-it note board, and uh, this it happened to be our pharmacy. So these were um, it was a it was a kind of a staff that was very data driven generally, and so it was easy for them to think in terms of systematic improvement. And I think that really helped us. We learned the system alongside a department that would that used it very well, and that was very helpful for for our first step. The rest of the leadership team, here's the, the best thing we did, and we kind of stumbled onto it. It wasn't part of my initial rollout plan, but it ended up being the best thing we could possibly have done to bring Kinexus to the whole organization at, at a much faster rate. And that was to take something that our managers already had to do, it was already a requirement, and we folded it into Kinexus and made Kinexus the tool that they used to fulfill that requirement. The requirement was to have an annual performance improvement plan. This is something that the Department of Health and Joint Commission requires. We need documentation that every department has some kind of performance improvement plan. So this is something that the managers had been doing for years. We already been working on the PI plans to make them more meaningful. They used to be kind of a, oh yeah, I need to have that on file. I'll just fill out this form. We'll put it in a binder and we'll never look at it again. You know, that was, that was the story years and years ago. Slowly we've been working on making the PI plans more meaningful, having the PI plans follow the A3 documentation so that there's more, there's more data, it's more data driven, it's using the scientific method. And then along came Kinexus and we realized this is perfect. We'll take our A3 documentation, upload it to Kinexus, ask every manager to interface with Kinexus to, in, in doing this thing that they already have to do, 
Um, and that's, that was the entry point. And from there, we went from a five-year rollout plan, which was what I had intended. I wanted to go really slow and careful, make sure that, that people had the best possible chance of success when they got Kinexis. Doing this PI plan with every manager in our hospital, it may, meant that we networked our whole hospital into Kinexis, and it meant every manager was already in the system and learning how to use it even before they went live with their staff. And so we're now, we, we plan to be up and done 100% in two years as opposed to five years. So that was a major accelerator for us and, and an excellent way to engage our managers. Hmm. So you're, you mentioned earlier that you're at about 50% rollout. So that, that's been about one year so far? Uh, yes, just over a year now. And that's, that's about, um, we're just past the 50% mark in terms of total number of employees being hmm. registered in Connexus. So you have managers doing some of the more strategic tracking and planning in Kinexus, and then they're getting employees engaged in their individual ideas and projects that are going to help the managers and departments accomplish those annual plans. Is that right? Yes, and, and sometimes they're they're unrelated. I mean, the PI plans, some of them were were very ambitious and required a lot of supporting, you know, improvement work to make them happen. Some of them were just, you know, a single isolated kind of project, but there were also maybe a dozen other small improvements that they were also working on because staff entered them into Kinexis. It just depended on where each department was in their in, in their rollout, whether they were active in Kinexis as a department or whether they were only doing their PI plan. Um, maybe the other piece, though, that, that drove a, um, maybe organizational-wide consciousness about Kinexis was a decision on the part of senior management, which also was very important, to include Kinexus in one of the organizational goals that is part of our, we call it the Organizational Achievement Award. So there's, there's a set number of goals, usually in three categories, and maybe top four or five goals that are communicated to the entire staff that if we can achieve these goals as an organization this fiscal year, everybody gets an organizational bonus. Mm -hmm. So there's a little bit of... Um, it's something that's put in front of the leadership team every single month, and it's something that has a little bit of impact on, you know, the paycheck that they take home at the end of the year. And so there's a real interest in that dashboard. Mm -hmm. And having a goal, the goal that we set was to have a certain number of improvement opportunities entered in Kinexis with measurable results. So mm -hmm. the, the key was we didn't want to just have quantity. We were looking for people to become more data-driven in their improvement. And so we used Kinexis to sort through, once, once they would enter results, we would look for the ones where, where there was actually some data behind it. And it, you know, it didn't matter whether it was big or small. If they used data to drive their improvement, that was the culture that we wanted. That was the skill set we wanted to develop in our people. And so having that out in front of the, of the staff every single month, here's how we're doing on our Kinexis goal, it made it a kind of a common lingo. Mm -hmm. um, that was another part of our, I think, being able to accelerate the rollout. Can, can you tell me also, let's talk about some of the individual uh, incentives or, or one of the things that you've done um, to help spark improvement. You're randomly selecting a gift card winner each month. Um, can you talk about that process and, and why you, you found it helpful for that to be a random selection? Yeah, that was a... You know, there's a lot of different ways to do that. Um, our goal here is to just 
encourage people to dip their toes in the system. So this is a little reward we're putting in place not for quality, um, but for participation. We just want people to try it out. Mm-hmm. And you know, so we have, we have filters set up where I can export a list of all of the ideas that have been submitted in a single month. I can export them into Excel and randomize them and, and you know, pull out one. Um, so it's, it's, it's not about whether it was a good idea or not, or even whether it has been implemented yet or not. It's just, did you participate in the system? And it's just one of the things that we can put um, on our sort of advertising flyers that we share as a department is about to go live is, you know, what's in it for you? Well, it's going to document for you. It'll track all of your participation in improvement in one place, and you can have that available in your annual review, and you can win an award. You know, every month there's a drawing. It was just part of the, you know, this is something that's fun. We really care about your participation in this. We want to see you participate in it. Um, it's probably something that we will phase out once we're really well established. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm not sure. You know, this is an experiment, obviously. The people who win the awards love it. Um, <laughs> and we do have another venue to reward quality, and that's our annual improvement fair. So the, the annual drawing, or the, sorry, the monthly drawing is, is basically to keep things a little fun, to indicate that we really care about participation, and to just reward participation. So have you seen, you know, one of the things you can do in Kindex is, of course, is track participation rates uh, at different levels. Have, have you seen a measurable impact as a result of uh, that promotion and, and that opportunity to win the monthly drawing? I don't think so because we're still so, we're still very young. And mm-hmm. so there's hard to say, you know, when we roll out Kindex to a new department and we we get participation, it's hard to know whether that's because they're hoping to win something or because they're just excited that someone is asking them what, mm-hmm. what they think they want to try it. I don't know that we'd ever actually be able to you know, yeah. measure dependent impact. you got those different factors sort of going on at the same time, right? Right. So let's talk a little bit more about you know, your rollout and expansion of Kinexus more generally. I'm, I'm curious if you can reflect on you know, employee participation rates with the, the physical boards before you started with Kinexus, um, how that seems to compare to today, and if you have any goals uh, in that regard? Well, that's an interesting question because we had a very poor idea of how many people were participating in the boards. That was our problem. We didn't know what yeah. our participation rates were. It wasn't until we got a system like Kinexus that we could then find out this is who's participating and how often and what percentage of a department. And that was exactly what we needed Kinex for. But I mean, even just sort of from a, a gut gut check level, from talking to managers, talking to employees, do, do you sense that there's a difference even if it's not exactly measurable? I would say yes, definitely. Um, I think Kinex is, is easier to use. I think it's more satisfying to use because people can see exactly what happens to their idea as soon as they submit it. They can track it. Um, they get. We we tried to close the feedback loop when it was on paper, but to be honest, that was a struggle. Mm-hmm. It was hard to get make sure that we went back to the originator of the idea with whatever. Um, you know, result had taken place, you know, whether, whether giving them the reason why we weren't able to proceed with this idea or telling them what would happen with the idea, um, that was a real struggle. And so this is just so much easier. I think it's just greasing the wheels for everybody. 
um, to participate and to improve the level of communication. So can you talk a little bit about training as, as you're doing this rollout, training new people in new departments on the Kinexus software, but maybe more importantly, how you're training people on uh, educating them about the value of improvement or strategies for improvement in general? Yeah, and that comes very much out of our intro class. So everybody, and particularly new employees at this stage, most of the people in our class are new hires, and so it's almost part of their orientation. They're welcome to the hospital. This is our culture. And so it's not just, uh, you know, we teach them the basics of lean. We teach them the value of lean in, in the healthcare industry. But we also spend a really big chunk of that class talking about what it is we're trying to accomplish at St. Clair with our culture. We teach them the process by which their ideas can be heard, and we teach them that the whole point of either the boards, because some of them still have the boards, or Kinexus, is to draw both sides of the uh, employee equation out of their comfort zone. So managers, we're trying to get them to come out of their offices and have more communication and transparency with their staff about improvement work. And with the staff, we're trying to pull them out of the comfort zone and get them to not just complain about things, but to become an active participant in fixing things. And we really spend a fair amount of time in that class talking about their role as problem solvers and how to be good problem solvers. And the, the take-home message, and this is a message that I honed over many years of teaching this class, and it, it kind of eventually emerged as if there's one thing, one thing that I want our frontline staff to remember when they walk out of this intro class, it is to arm their managers with data, which is not, not what I would have thought would be the most important point when I first started out in this role. But truly, we've realized how much further improvement ideas can go, that there's a difference between, I found this problem, it's really bugging us, we really need to fix it, and I found this problem, it's happening about three or four times a day, and every time it happens, it costs me about a minute and a half to deal with it. And all of a sudden, you're at a different plane. You've given your manager a huge leg up in grasping the, the size of the problem, in giving them, you know, saving them the trouble of having to prioritize whether or not to deal with it. I've just really, we've been working really hard with our frontline staff to help them understand you have more power than you probably realize. And that power can come from, it can come from counting things. You don't have to be, you don't have to be trained in data collection. You don't have to be a statistician. Sometimes it's just counting things. And we have some really cool examples of improvement that's been driven by people making tick marks, you know, next mm -hmm. to the you know, number of times something has happened. And that, that can really make a difference. So we teach them, don't just submit your ideas, but submit them with a little bit of data and that will just kick it up to the next level. So I imagine you know, when you described part of the problem statement before Kinexus is that you couldn't measure participation rates. It was probably even, it was as difficult, more difficult to measure the impact of different improvements, right? Oh, absolutely. That, in fact, that's probably the thing I wanted to, I wanted to know the most um, is are we, you know, how many, how many projects are we able to accomplish and, and what are they doing? What, what areas are they impacting? So that's our favorite part of Kinexus is getting those aggregate reports, being able to aggregate results. We just, we had no idea before that. How do you, you know, I think one concern people have 
you know, about asking people for ideas is, you know, managers being afraid that they're going to be overburdened. I think this is one of the things, you know, back to my, my, my comments earlier about managers being afraid to try or not having confidence. I think they're afraid they won't have the ability to follow through. So how, what have you done to help keep managers from being overburdened? If, if you ask for ideas, everyone speaks up, there's lots of stuff being put in the Kinexus, well, then what? That's a huge issue for us. And that was actually kind of a surprise to me. The first time, the, the first boards that went up, um, it took me a while before I realized how managers were perceiving it when Post-it notes went up on their board. I had to have several conversations before I realized how prevalent it was for the managers to feel that if there was a post-it note on the board, that meant they were doing something wrong, it was a failure of management on their part, and it was their job to set it right and fix it. And I, I was alarmed by this. I had not anticipated that we hadn't prepared them well enough, you know, there's that traditional assumption that a problem is the manager's problem. And so we've come a long way in working with our leadership team to remind them that just because a problem has been identified, that doesn't mean there's something wrong with you as a manager. Everybody has problems. And it's also not your job to fix it. It's not, this is not your to-do list, right? Kinexus mm. is not your to-do list. So we spend a lot of time working with them. Probably the, the two things that I tell managers to do when, they're, when they start to feel overwhelmed is I remind them that they can always defer. You know, Kinexus is designed mm -hmm. to help them manage and prioritize. You can always put something in, in, in your back pocket so that you don't lose it, and you can communicate that to your staff. We're going to hold on to this idea, but we don't have the bandwidth to do it now. So there's a, there's a place for those. But the other thing is, and this is part of, you know, making sure that both sides are coming out of their comfort zones, I encourage them that when, when an idea is presented to them and they're exhausted at the idea of even trying to assess the problem, I invite them to assign it back to the originator of the idea and ask for more research and more data. Have them do the research and the data. If it's important to them, then they'll do that work. And if it's not, then that tells you something, that it, it must not have been that painful of a problem. And so maybe that doesn't need to be you know, your highest priority and you can let it go. So I'm kind of trying to help them spread that sense of responsibility for improvement back to the staff that are bringing those problems to the table. Yeah, and I've seen employees can be taught how to collect data. Like you said earlier, if it's as simple as just uh, doing tick marks and, and counting events and measuring time and how to, mm -hmm. how to research, who to talk to, how to look these things up. Um, you know, I've seen other examples where managers invest a little bit of time in developing their people. And, you know, it's great, you know, earlier you brought up, this isn't just about solving problems, we're developing people. Investing time in developing people ends up saving time for managers over time as, as their employees get better at doing this. Yes, very much so. The, the other thing that I found, I don't know if this is something that, that you've seen in other, in other hospitals, but one of the big issues where we've done a lot of coaching is that we see staff identifying a problem and, and offering a solution, right? Mm -hmm, this is not mm -hmm. common. In traditional cultures, you're often told, don't bring a problem <laughs> unless you also have a solution, which is, of course, we have to undo that you know, right. from a Toyota perspective where you want to make sure you understand the problem first. But we're definitely right. seeing where they've identified a problem and they will offer a solution. And that, that's what is, is, comes up in Kinexus. So the manager is reading this solution, which in many times is 
tends to be naive, uninformed. This is coming from someone who doesn't necessarily understand the way a, the system works and what's actually you know, realistic or possible. And we've seen a lot of managers basically swat them down and say, no, we can't do that, which means they're responding to the solution. And so what we've, what we've been coaching people to do when we see this is to ignore the solution. If the, even if, if the solution is stupid, then back it up. Walk it back to the problem that was identified. And instead of just tossing it out because the solution is a bad one, make sure that you're taking the time and help coach your, your staff person to walk it back to the problem and to keep an open mind about, well, we can't do that kind of solution, but are there other things we could do that would at least mitigate it in another way? And that's, a, that's another whole you know, level of coaching, both for our managers and for our staff. So one other thing I wanted to touch on, you know, this is getting a lot more tactical about using Kinexus, and I think this would be uh, helpful to other uh, customers of ours. Can you talk about how you use filters to get the right improvements in front of the right people within the organization? Can you tell us about some examples of that? Yeah, this turned out to be really interesting. So last year we had we have an annual improvement fair where we invite people to submit applications and we have a poster, um, uh, what do you call those things, a poster fair, I guess. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. We basically we celebrate um, a lot of the work that we do around the hospital. We had a member of our quality team who heads up a number of interdisciplinary committees that oversee things like VTE prevention or diabetes care or falls prevention, noise prevention. We have a number of these um, committees that are headed by specific managers and that try to address these issues at an organizational level. And she approached me at the end of that improvement fair and said, I had, there's this nurse who submitted this, this project that she had been working on on VTE prevention in her unit, and I had no idea that was going on, and I'm the chair of the VTE prevention committee for the hospital. And so that was, a, that was kind of a, a red flag that this, how many other things are going on that mm -hmm. just aren't connecting up with the, those you know, strategic committees and how do, we, how do we find them and connect them? And that was one thing we could do with filters. So that person now has a filter on her board for the keyword of VTE. So now anytime anyone submits uh, an issue related to VTE, it's going to pop up on her board and she can review it. She could reach out directly to those individual staff members and let them know, actually, we're already working on this. Or she can say, that's a great idea. How would you like to join the committee? And we, we just didn't have a way to do that before. And so we have a number of those filters now, specifically in our quality department. We have it for our, our senior infection preventionist. Um, she realized that there are things going on that she needs to give input on. And so anytime any Kinexus suggestion is submitted, any OI with the keyword infection, she has a filter that will capture it so that she can check it and make sure that they are getting the guidance that they need from the right people. So we have a number of those. That's yeah. been actually really, really helpful. That's great. Um, to maybe wrap up here, do you have any other advice? I mean, you've, you've touched on a lot of really great points along the way here. Um, any other advice for people that are trying to get started to help create this culture of continuous improvement? I would have to say that the best lever, and it's very pragmatic, is to find out what people already are required to do. What is the stuff that's already on their plate? And, and 
bring Kinexus to them as a tool that's going to help them get that done, rather than introducing it as something else that they have to worry about, something else that they have to do. So our model of having the PI plans, which were already something they had to do, and, and tying them into Kinexus, that was probably our best driver for hmm. reaching, letting the culture spread through the whole organization. Meet them where they already are, rather than adding to their burden. Well, Tanya, thank you so much for sharing, you know, uh, some of your experiences, um, what you're doing there at St. Clair Hospital, how you're using Kinexus uh, to, uh, you know, to keep working at that culture of continuous improvement. I love the way you said earlier that you're improving your improvement methodology. I, I think that's something um, every, everybody should be doing. So thank you for setting that example and uh, for joining us today. Thank you. I enjoyed the conversation. Thanks for listening. This has been the Lean Blog Podcast. For lean news and commentary updated daily, visit www.leanblog.org. If you have any questions or comments about this podcast, email mark at leanpodcast at gmail.com.